Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. All right, all right. You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Oh, okay, all right. If it's not good, that's fine. Just say so. All right, that's better. Okay. Um, so as we, we come to the end of chapter 2 in, in this series in Acts, we come to a passage that's going to be very familiar to a lot of us. Not all of us, but a lot of us. Um, it's one I've preached before. Um, it's actually something you could do an entire sermon series on. So imagine my angst. I got one week, right? So don't worry. You'll get there to your barbecues or whatever you got today. I had to try to figure out, all right, God, what kind of glues this all, all together for us? Like, what do we need here? And so um, I have here, hopefully will we'll help. Um, so this is every single Christian, right? Except, oh, anybody got an extra bulb or anything? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, you guys noticed, didn't you? So it wasn't plugged in. This is probably going to electrocute me, all right? Ah, I actually did that on purpose. <laughs> That's why you paid me the big bucks, right? So the point is, man, you can be a follower of Christ. There's no question. But for you to truly shine, huh? Huh? Shine the way God means you to. You've got to be plugged in to the fellowship of his family. Right? You were made with a purpose. And the more we plug in to God's family, even with the disappointments and with the sometimes stresses that brings and the cost that it brings, we'll talk about it, it helps us to shine when we plug in. So many things get produced that can't if we're not plugged in. All right? So I did it on purpose, Ralph. You love that, right? All right, let's pray. Father, we... Um, we do come before you, and we are so grateful for uh, a fellowship here, this local church with um, all different ages and different backgrounds and just, all, just so much that the only reason we could possibly be together is the unity that we have and the death, resurrection, and life of Jesus Christ and all that that means. Lord, thank you on this weekend um, where we celebrate Memorial Day weekend for the freedom that we even have to come and worship and do this. And I can preach fully whatever you call me to preach without any worry because so many have lost their lives over the years. We pray uh, your blessing on families missing somebody because they paid that cost. And we're so, so grateful for a place that we can come and worship you. I pray that you would do your work uh, this morning through your spirit, that, that you would fill us so that, that it wouldn't be my words, it would be your truth that convict and encourage and strengthen, Lord. Um, we pray for those downstairs as well, uh, children's workers and teachers and nursery providers, and just bless them as well. Thank you so much, as they are just as much a part of our family as those up here. Lord, we just give this time to you. May it honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so... 
if you want to follow, we'll put it on the screen as always, but if you want to follow along in your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, I just always like to point out, we have Bibles in the pew you can use, or if you don't own a Bible, uh, we'd love for you to have that. Or maybe you know somebody who doesn't have one, uh, grab it, it's not stealing, we will, we have plenty back there, we will just restock. We want everyone to have God's word. Okay. Um, while you're turning there, really quick, we didn't get to send an announcements because um, it kind of came up uh, last minute. This Wednesday, something really simple. Uh, if you want to come, and you can. I know it's last minute. Um, at 6, we're just going to meet in the comments. Anyone who wants to pray. Um, we're going to, uh, uh, a few people kind of approached me and just said, man, just with everything going on, uh, it's been a long couple of years, and then world events, and now another just terrible school shooting. It's just a lot of people on edge and just like wondering, even as believers, what do we do? So um, so we just said, hey, it's not going to be a long sermon. No amens from you, all right? Uh, nothing like that. Just, just going to get together and pray. It's not going to take long. Just encourage each other through, through prayer. Really just practice what we're talking about this morning. So if you can join us, please do. It won't take all night or anything um, like that. We'll, we'll send out reminders uh, on that as well. Um, so, so in our Acts series, we come to this passage, as I said in our, in our open, that, that it's like very uh, popular passage because it's like Luke's sort of summary of that early church. And sometimes it gets, I want to remind you, as we go through Acts, I'll continually remind you this, that the historical narrative, it means it's true, and it happened, but it's narrative. And it's not always normative, right? Remember, Elijah went up to heaven in the chariots of fire. It doesn't mean you're going to, okay? Uh, so, because so, some people want to say that. Like, I remember when I was first um, hired as uh, associate pastor, my job was youth ministry and um, to try to start a young adult ministry group, which um, we didn't have any young adults in the church at the time, so I didn't know quite what to do, and I got invited to go to this meeting where other churches, they were trying to start this sort of young adult ministry that wasn't part of a, a local church, and so I went, we were sitting in a living room, God bless them, they met well, but this one guy was probably like 22, and he's, he's, he's sitting there, and he's like, yeah, he's like, we just need to be like Acts 2. Like when the church didn't have any organization, they just kind of organically just lived together in harmony and all. And he stopped and it was like, everyone's like, yeah, you know, and I just thought, oh boy, I better just keep my mouth shut. I'm like, no, nah, I can't do it. And um, I said, Acts 2, huh? Did you ever read Acts chapter 5? When God killed two people because they were lying and deceiving in the church? Or how about Acts chapter 6, when a whole group of ethnic widows weren't being taken care of. They had to form a whole team to make sure that happened. You read that? He's like, well, I guess, yeah. And I was like, there was a mess, right? This is a summary of the amazing things God did. And we will pull out the same theological principles. But we want to be careful about kind of over-romanticizing it. Remember, there was 120 people that were kind of waiting on the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? The, the Spirit comes, Peter preaches, over 3,000 people come to Christ in one day. So a mega church in Jerusalem starts up, and yet over 90% of them, right, are completely new believers. You don't think there was a mess? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Right? That big of a church with all, yeah, they did have an Old Testament background. They were Jewish, but knew nothing about the things of Christ. And so as this is happening, because I don't want you to think that could never happen. There was a mess. There was disappointment. There was things that needed to be corrected, of course. But man, the Spirit moved as they plugged in. Okay, so when you, when you read this first real summary statement, this is what happened. This mega church that formed, Luke's just like, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The key word there is devoted. 
right? Devoted. You know what devoted means, right? It's like uh, it might be a really easy to be devoted one day, the next day not so easy. Like if you've had a baby in your life or you have one in your life right now, the first day they're born and they wrap that little ball of cuddly in your arms, like this is so perfect, it's so cute. Three months later, when you haven't slept, in three months, <laughs> you kind of like, maybe we should put her back, right? But no, you're devoted. You're the parents or grandparents. Well, you're, it's like devotion doesn't say I'm taking a day off. You keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Even when it's hard. Marriage, if you're devoted, I mean, there's some great days, and then there's some so great days, especially for you wives, right? Don't nudge anybody, all right? I saw some of those looks, right? That's devoted. So they were devoted. That right there to me says it wasn't all kumbaya, all right? And what were they devoted to? First of all, the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to truth, right? They didn't, we have today our New Testament. They had their Old Testament because that was the Jewish scriptures, and we still have that, God's word. But our New Testament is the apostolic tradition handed down. Jesus spent time with the apostles. He taught them. They received the Spirit. They witnessed the whole life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and ascension. And so they taught, right? And so we are devoted today in the same way to the Word of God, the truth. And so it's not what I want to be true, what is true. But the biggest thing here, they're devoted to the fellowship. That's a Greek word, koinonia. Who's here heard that before? Go ahead. Lots of you, right? Because it's a, a big word. You know why? In churches, we've sort of misused the word fellowship a little bit. Not intentionally. Right? When you think fellowship, it's like, oh, great, a potluck supper. We're going to get together and drink some bad coffee. And you know, so. Am I just jaded? I don't know. I don't know. My dad called them throw-up suppers instead of potluck supper. I'm sorry. It was easy to talk to him, all right? Um, so so uh, that's not fellowship, right? Fel- koinonia just means common, right? Koinon Greek was the, the Greek that, that the commoners spoke. It just means they have it in common. So koinonia is that what's mine is yours. It's yours is mine. That's tough. Doesn't mean you don't own stuff, by the way, right? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, right? But here's kind of what koinonia means. I want you to imagine that I just, man, it's, it's you know, Memorial Day weekend. I, I, I grilled up some really good filets. I'm, I'm going to make some of you hungry. I apologize in advance, right? And I got really good food. And I, I, I'm a simple cook, but I can, I can grill, right? And I get that. And I got a nice plate of food. And I, you're, you're sitting there. You got nothing. And I sit down, put this food in front of me. You're looking at me. I look at you. And you go, can I buy some of that food off you? I'm starving. Sure, five bucks, I'll give you a little of my filet. Okay, so that's more of a transaction. But imagine instead I sit down again, have my plate of food, and uh, you look at me, your salivating glands start going a little bit, and you're like, Jamie, would you mind if I had a little of that? And I'm a pastor, so I have to go, sure. <laughs> but inside I'm like, Ugh, right? And, and I give you some. Okay, so that's another scenario. Third scenario, which I hope would be the most common one, is I sit down with my food, and I look at you, and I go, would you like some? Right? We learned that as kids. And you take it and we share it. None of those are koinonia. None of those. Not even the last one. What koinonia is, right, to hold in common, is I make a bunch of food that I, I know I probably can't eat. I could try, but I probably can't. I sit down. I put that, that food in, in between us. We both eat from it. There's no need to ask. There's no need to say thank you. It's ours because it's mine. It's yours. Yours is mine. That's hard for American Westerners to accept, isn't it? Like if you're from another culture, or some cultures this is a, a more prominent worldview, right? But for us, 
the pursuit, right? Individual pursuit. It's mine, and if I decide to let you have some, I can. But don't take what's mine. And it's just, it's just kind of what we're, what we're used to. And so I'm not going to ask you, because a lot of you are thinking, yeah, I, can't, I, I couldn't do that, right? It's one thing to share some food, but to actually look at it as if it's not just mine, but it's also yours. To look at my time that way. To look at, at, at our, our relationships that way. So I'm not asking you to jump in the ocean without a life preserver. But just start thinking about this, if you haven't already, and what one thing in my life I can start looking at it that way. Like, like it's still mine. God's given me this possession, this money, this time. But if I actually looked at it as it's yours too, how would that change things? Like, how would that change relationships? Koinonia. Together, they're devoted to truth. They're devoted to the breaking of bread. Some think that's the Lord's Supper. Others think it's just these awesome meals. Um, probably both. Right? They would often eat food, and then they would celebrate the death and, and, and of Christ and all that it represented as part of that meal. Um, we don't know, but do, Jews really took eating together seriously. They called it tabling. They lingered. Their food meant something. Good food, good drink, good friends, right? It wasn't a Pop-Tart in the back seat, right? Eat this, shut up. It was tabling together. So they were doing this together, and of course, part of the koinonia is they're praying. They're praying. Koinonia is those relationships that just, you wouldn't have them if it weren't for the unity of heaven Christ. This past week, um, uh, a lot of you have been, if you've been with our church for any length of time, you know uh, David Burgess. Um, David and Marilis were, um, have been members of this church since the 40s. That's 1940s. Gosh, we're getting close to 100 years, you know? And David is at any moment going to go to be with Christ. And no doubt in my mind of his great faith. And so I I was able to visit him a couple times, but I visited him on Tuesday, and there was nobody there. It was a short, uh, usually his daughter was there, but she had run out, and he was sleeping. I woke him up. And the nurse told me I could, so don't, don't judge me, all right? And, and, and you know, he, he was totally with it, and it was awesome. It was hard for him to speak loud enough for me to hear, but as he woke up, more and more he did. And, and we just talked, he's like, you know, Pastor, you can't live forever. That's what he said to me. And I said, well, and we just got talking about, I'm like, man, you're going to be with Jesus soon. Have you thought about, like, he's just like big smile on his face and, and, and just talked about all, all, a lot of different things. And, um, and, and his daughter came and, and he, they had to transfer him to another floor. And I, I, I prayed for him and I knew, I just knew that this is the last time I'm going to see him before we're both in heaven. And I just gave him a very gentle hug and I said, David, I love you, which isn't always easy for me to say. I usually like to prove I love rather than say it. One of those, grew up Irish, it's kind of how we are. I love you. And, he, and I could hear him, the loudest thing he said, Pastor, I love you too. And gospel goodbyes are so hard because there's a connection. Like, he was about my age when I was born. Like, what affinity do we have? We have a few things, so many, so many differences. And yet, koinonia. Right? Like, like, he was a member of this church. He saw changes in the church. you think he loved all of those changes? Of course not. Right? And some, sometimes he told me about it. And I loved that. But never, ever, ever did I leave an interaction with him where I didn't feel encouraged. 
Right? I remember I was not that long ago, I had to call them, tell them about someone else, and, and I called, and he was having really problems with his heart, just breathing. But he answered the phone, Pastor, right? He was talking to me for about a minute, and then he's like, I better give the phone to Merrill so I can't breathe. And I'm like, David, why'd you even answer? But he just wanted to talk. He wanted to encourage. And to me, that's koinonia. And it's hard to say goodbye, but it's not really goodbye. It's till we see each other again. We both know that. Right? For me to have that relationship with someone, what a privilege that I would have never had if it weren't for the fellowship. I knew him long before I was pastor. Right? It was not just a pastor relationship. Brothers in Christ. Koinonia. And so that's what they had. Wasn't perfect. Disagreements at times. But transcends it all. Luke, Luke continues with this summary. He says, And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So we'll see some of those wonders and signs in a couple of weeks, in the next few weeks. But, but, but really to see the message of the gospel was validated. And, and people just knew, man, God's doing something. You ever, you ever, like, this doesn't happen very often. You pray for something and, like, it's answered in, like, five seconds. And you're like, well, I wish it was always like that, right? But you feel this tingle, like, God is with us. That's the way they felt like all the time because the spirit was just so moving. Luke continues, he says, all who believed, that's Christians, right? It's not just going to church. It's not just showing up. It's you believe something with all your heart, the death, resurrection, and all the truth of Jesus Christ. All those believed they were together. They had all things in common. There's that word, common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, we're going to do a collection now. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. This is not a forced this isn't communism or something like that where the apostles are like, all right, you're going to belong to this church? Sell all your stuff and give it to us and then we'll decide. That's not what was happening here. Saul willing, still people had possessions. People still had property. All this is saying is if that, that, that uh, sister in Christ just lost her husband, she needs, we're going to provide. Like that, that young boy just lost both of his parents. He needs, we're going to provide. She's really lonely. We're going to provide. He needs a meal. We're going to provide. Right? That, that we're, what we're looking at, it's not just, yeah, God gave it to me, but it's yours too. That's a mindset we got to pray hard for rather than clutching it as if we deserve it. Instead, God gave it to us to, to share it. And he says, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous Heart. So, so every day. Now, does this mean every single day they were doing something with the church family? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's just a big picture thing. It's not an hour a week. It's not an obligation of attending something. It's gathering in formal places where the apostles are teaching them, and they're worshiping and praising and praying, and gathering in homes informally and breaking bread and celebrating the Lord's Supper and, and, and just, just being there with one another. And it's creating a scenario where they're glad and they're growing in generosity. And Luke continues and closes the summary this way, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Every day, people are coming to know Jesus Christ. Wow. But how? Well, who's saving them? I love how he does this. Luke tells us, it's the Lord who saves. No one here is going to become a Christian because I was so impactful. No, no, no. The Lord brings you. He adds you to the number. 
Because some people get so wound up in thinking it's on us, you're frozen. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I mess up? Forget it. The Lord is adding. Other side is, well, if the Lord's adding, I'll just sit back and wait. But that's not biblical. You see the model here. The Lord is adding people to their number, and he's using their relationships to each other. Yes, you share Christ with someone, but it's so much better to do it as a team, as they see, wow, you people are different. You people have something that I want. What is it? Oh, glad you asked. It's Jesus. And if you're here and someone dragged you here, you're like, wait a minute, are you trying to make me become a Christian? Yes, we are. Not because we're not going to lock the doors and make you read the entire Bible before you can go to lunch. We just love your soul too much to not have you hear the good news of Jesus Christ because it's everything to us. And if we didn't want to share that with you, how much would we hate your soul to not want to share what we truly believe is the very thing you need for eternal life? And so that's what they're doing. And before we, we, we go, I want us just to look at this concept of plugging in, right? When we plug in, what does it produce? Right? First of all, we see it produces apostolic truth, right? Uh, plugging into fellowship produces truth. And I'm not just talking about the, 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 the truth, because I know people are like today, like it, it, you say, oh gosh, today everything, anybody wants to be true can be true, right? Have you thought that or said that? Modern day, we've ruined it. This isn't new. Have you read Genesis 3? God gave truth to Adam and Eve. Satan comes along and says, no, 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 no. You need this truth. God didn't give it all to you. Oh, okay. And here we are today needing a savior. Thanks a lot. A little bit happened in between, right? But, but the, the, the idea is not the truth that you think makes you comfortable. Like if you have little kids, and imagine if you said, I'm talking little kids now, right? And you said to them, you know what? You guys can just eat whatever you want for meals. We don't care. Snickers for breakfast, Skittles for lunch, ice cream sundae for supper. How many kids would love that? Any kids here? No, no, probably all done. Oh, Patrick? No, 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 kids, kids. Yeah, that's great, except a week later you die, Right? And so parents, you love them too much. You're like, no, 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 no. We introduce them to carrots and peas and Brussels sprouts and stuff that they hate that they desperately, desperately need. Good food. That's what truth is, right? It hurts sometimes. It's not what we want sometimes, right? If you've never heard truth preached or taught or read something in your scripture and felt, ugh, we're not doing our jobs. I hear to tickle ears and be like, oh, you get what, oh, but it's true to me. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as that. And that's what they were, they were producing. If, if you stay on your own, you're going to read the passages that make you feel good. You're going you're gonna, to uh, uh, listen to those that tell you something that makes you feel good. But when you get with the fellowship, you hear truth, vegetables that ew, you don't really want, but you desperately need. When we're plugged in, um, that's what ends up happening. Like, I can't tell you how many times... I can't even, I've lost track of years I've been pastor now. Um, but over the years, this has happened where someone, um, we, we just haven't seen in a while, and I'll reach out to them. They're not necessarily going to any other church. They're just, just kind of disengaged. And, and reach out to them, see how they're doing, right? And they're like, oh, pastor, yeah, you know. It's just been a real hard season. It's so you didn't come around the church? It's like, you're drowning in an ocean and be like, I don't really have time for scuba deer. That's what it is. 
Right? It'd be one thing if someone said, this has been an amazing spiritual season, haven't really had time for church. I'd be like, well, still wrong, but at least I understand. But if you're hurt, but here, the enemy uses the exact same scheme. Don't go, they can't see you vulnerable. You can't let those people see you weeping, see you down, see you hurting. Right? You need, right? And, and, and so, so instead of coming for truth and coming for koinonia, disengage. And it's exact, you're doing yourself exactly the opposite of what you need. And I, and I sound angry when I say this. I'm not angry at you or anyone else. I'm angry at the enemy who still uses the same scheme. I want to punch him in his spiritual face. You need fellowship. That's what you need. If you're going through a hard time, you're like, oh, I'll come back when I've cleaned up my life. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. You need truth. You need the love of Christ and his people around you. And that's what happens when you plug in. Right? When, you, when you plug in to fellowship, it, it produces generosity. It said, Luke said, generous hearts. I remember, um, yeah, this is a number of years ago. Some of you will, will remember this. Um, Scott and Lonnie Schwendeman. Lonnie's from the Philippines. And um, her church, when she was there, just got leveled by hurricane. And their small group that, that really were doing life together decided they were going to do something about it. And they came to me and said, hey, what if we have an auction? We'll do a dinner. We'll just auction things out. People will pay way more money than it's worth because it's all going to go towards blessing them. And uh, they didn't come to, come to me and say, Jamie, you need to do this. They said, if you want to do this, will you bless it? Absolutely. I'll even come and spend a ton of money on some of those those uh, spring rolls of Lonnie's, whoo, worth every penny. And we raised enough money to just rebuild that church, right? And, and as you're a part of that, you plug in, you go, I want more of that, don't you? You see, if you're plugged in mostly to outside the fellowship, to the world, and there's going to be plug, I, I, we all are, but if that's your primary plug-in, guess what you're going to be saturated in and grow in? Selfism. And trust me, I know it's not an actual word. Autocorrect always tries to get me on that one. Selfism. That's the day and age we live in. That's our culture. It's selfism. It's if I believe it to be true, you need to accept it and validate it, right? And I know even if you disagree with that whole concept, the more you're plugged in, the more you're going to lean that way. Yeah, but I should have. But, but, don't, but what about me? And what about, right? And then what happens is you get on the merry-go-round right, of having to have and satisfy your soul, right, and it just never does. You say, oh, well, my neighbor's got a five-car garage. But, honey, we only have two cars. I need five-car garage because he's got it. Man, we all are like that. It's not just our kids, right? And the more you're plugged into that, the more you're going to think that's going to satisfy you, and it's never going to. Frustration, jealousy, that's what that produces, that's the, the age we live in. That's a, every time a culture, a civilization gets to selfism, they crumble. I'm just saying God might intervene, and I pray every day that he will, but don't cling to some historical Americana. Hey, I got the shirt on. I'm in. I love this country. I vote. I'm in. I'm just saying you cling to the kingdom of God where Christ is king because that's eternal, and that's never going to be shaken, and it's never going to go anywhere. That's your primary. Selfism. That's what you're going to get. You plug into the fellowship, you grow in generosity. So many people I've had the, the, the blessing to be generous to, and far more uh, those of you have been generous to me and my family. Like Heather's always saying to me, boy, you have no problem accepting gifts. I'm like, nope, they're blessings. I'm in. 
She's like, all right. I'm like, I'm not one of those that's going to give it, but I don't want to. Come on, take it. I'm not going to steal it from anyone. But if someone wants to bless me, I'm not going to uh, rob them of blessing me. But what it does is it makes me feel like I want to do the same. I love that give and take. As you plug in, that's what you saturate yourself in. Plugging into the fellowship produces gladness. Okay, so that's going to be the end result. But you got to understand, like, and, and I'm looking around. I know a lot of you understand this. It takes cost. Cost, which means sometimes pain, sometimes mess, right? sometimes disappointment when you're vulnerable with people. They will hurt you. And if we're a new church to you, and you're like, wow, this church seems great. You know, they preach the truth, good music, people seem friendly. Give us about three months, we will disappoint you. I'm just being honest. Because we are all growing in the Lord together. So the more, so you, you got to realize there's going to be a cost. Cost of time, cost of finances, cost, most importantly, of risk. There's a, um, a guy in our church, some of you know him. I, I got permission to use him as an illustration, unless you think. The only time I don't get permission is if you're in my family. So uh, everyone else, uh, I get permission. Uh, and, and, and so uh, James Venable, James uh, is, um, he and his family started uh, coming to Cornerstone during really the height of COVID. And so masks, distancing, nothing's really happening, right? And so it's hard. A lot, some of you are in that boat. And, and so uh, they, they, he just really wants that plugging in. But he has said to me, he's like, man, I'm an introvert. Some of you can relate to this, right? He's more like he sees a crowd. He's more like recede to the corner and read a book. Anyone relate? Some of you? Okay. Right, that's, and, and so he, he, he's like not usually going to be the one going around going, hey, how's it going? That's just not how God wired him, and it's okay. But he's like, I need to plug in. I need it. So what he's done, he's gone to, uh, uh, he went to a small group with his, with his wife. He, he's done some ministry team stuff together, volleyball they go to. I don't think he's like a star volleyball player. Maybe he's tall. I don't know. Right? But here's one other thing why he came to my mind. Is he began, because he knows this is not normal for him, is he began to just as he got to know different guys specifically in the church, he invited them to lunch. And he'll just go to a restaurant during the week, an hour. He says a couple words of encouragement, praise, and then it's just eat and talk. And he just started doing that. And, and some of you guys are like, hey, how come I haven't been invited? I don't talk to James about that, all right? But what's just been beautiful is to see he's risking himself. That's not typical for him or normal. But he's like, I need this connection. And here's the thing. Even though not all of it works out perfectly, he has been and will continue to grow in gladness because of it. Because that's what Koinonia does. It's worth it. It's worth it. Last Sunday, um, we had our closing uh, 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 party. It was kind of a picnic kind of thing for our, our youth group. And we were playing this, this game. You old people, uh, um, I'm young and hip. I don't know this maybe, but there's this game called Nine Square. And it's kind of a combination between volleyball and uh, Four Square. Except there's nine squares and you hit it nicely up through the square. You try to get someone out and you like Four Square. Um, and, and so that, I just want you to, the idea is you hit the ball up. We have a middle school girl who God bless her, love her. She hits the ball every single time with this part of her hand, and which means it rockets off of her hand, and she has no idea where it's going. And so we were playing this game, and I was standing next to her in this square. She's in that square. Ball comes to her, sure enough, and the ball 
Well, you know what? I'll just show you what happened. Okay, see? Can you see that? This happened. Um, I was on the ground rolling around, and all of the teens were so worried about me that they were laughing hysterically, all right? <laughs> and I was laughing too. Uh, I have more glasses on order. I wanted new frames anyway, so we're good. But I was laughing too. It didn't hurt that bad, thankfully. I didn't get concussed or anything. It was just a volleyball. But, but as I was doing that, and they were laughing, and, I looked, and I, after I got up, brushed myself off, I said, man, I love these kids. They drive me insane, but I love them. Koinonia, right? Gladness because of relationships. And they're not, they don't always go great, <laughs> especially with that relationship. But, man, I love to cheer our kids on when they win, even when they lose and they learn something. Man, it, to me, is the joy of my heart that I would never have without this fellowship. It has nothing to do with because I'm the pastor, right? It's because I'm part of the fellowship. And so the deeper you plug in, you'll grow in gladness. But there's a cost, right? You got to get out and plug in. And you do this formally and informally. But find ways to continually plug in. And I'll just close with this last one. Plugging into the fellowship produces more Christians. We still should be sharing Christ and talking to people. That's how it begins. But isn't it a lot easier as a team, right? If you have your people, right, other believers you do dinner with, you barbecue with, or you have a small group or whatever it is, right, and you have that, you get together here and there, here's what I, inv- I would ask you to do. Invite someone who's not a Christian. Don't sit them down in the corner and gather around them and say, we're going to tell you about Jesus, right? But it's just have them be a part of it, right? Have them see People having fun, treating each other well, but they're Christians. And watch what that does. Because the more plugged in you are, and we're going to look, it's a lot easier for all of us together to pull people up than just one of us trying to pull people up to know Christ. And so we, 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 just like them, the more that people around us see how we're treating each other, not, man, some local churches, like, they're frowning and arguing over the color of choir robes and, and the color of this or that. And it's just, the world walks into that and they're like, what do I want this for? It's like the world except worse. Instead, they come in and they see gladness and generosity and a love for the Lord. They don't quite understand, but God begins to add them to our number, which is our whole goal, is to see souls saved because we've been here. That's the mission of the gospel. And so um, as I pray, some of you as I look around, this just is an encouragement to stay plugged in. Don't be like weary of it and because maybe you're in a season where it's frustrating or something isn't going right. Don't give up. Don't give up. And then it's an encouragement if, you, if you've unplugged for whatever reason or you're newer to this church or, or whatever it might be. I just want to encourage you to just take a step. Take a step. Join a small group. Uh, you know, just invite someone that you've gotten to know over for dinner. I mean, it's that simple. Do a ministry team. You'll get to know people. Plug in. And God will grow you in gladness of heart. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you, I just, I, I think of my brothers and sisters in the room who are very much plugged in to the fellowship. And I'm grateful for that. 
I'm grateful for what that produces. But Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them, encourage them to stay plugged in, especially if they go through or are going through a rough season, that they would plug in and shine the way you've called them to shine. Lord, that you would protect them from the lies of the enemy, saying they don't need it, or they're going to get hurt, or whatever other ridiculous lie that's coming. Remind the enemy that he's been crushed because of the cross. And we revel in that joy. And so continue to plug us in together. Lord, for those who are with us that, that just aren't plugged in for whatever reason it might be I'm not praying for guilt I'm praying for for encouragement that they would find a way that someone would invite them or they would just find a way to plug in and you would grow them in that and Lord for those who are here and they don't know Christ they've never laid their yes of faith I ask that you would add them to their number to our number today that they would know and believe that you died for them you rose you're coming again in glory and that they can sing alongside us as our brother or sister in Jesus. Lord, that you would give them the courage to step forward and say, I believe, I believe. It's in Jesus' precious, holy, awesome, and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, church.